Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well, and I want to thank you for joining me. My friend and board member, he is, uh, he along with Jim Osmond are the board members of Justin Peters Ministries, but I've been joined the last couple of programs with Mike Miller, and he began by sharing with us a little bit about his testimony and how God delivered him out of the seeker-sensitive deception and, uh, a false understanding of the gospel, and we've kind of been progressing into talking about our trip that we took to Uganda. Uh, this was Mike's first international trip, and uh, so here you got uh, two guys going over. A rather unlikely, kind of kind of odd couple. We um, a, a, a CPA by trade and a little white cripple boy uh, preacher, and we're going over to to um uganda not not exactly uh not exactly a a country that's on most people's bucket list to to uh to visit but nonetheless it is it is one of the one of my trips i think i've been to if i'm counting right i think i've been to 24 different countries now and and all of my trips have been very very fruitful by god's grace and and meaningful in their own right but this trip to uganda really stands out and so i just wanted you to hear dear ones from from my friend Mike Miller as he uh, tells about how this trip came to be. And Mike, uh, we left off in our last program uh, talking about how kind of things blew up in in Bill's church. But let's give let's give folks a little idea of some of the things that you and I experienced. Uh, of course, we're going over to to uh, Pastor Bill has organized basic, basically a preaching tour. Uh, circuit for us, I suppose, in Uganda. And yep. so we go over there. We were there for what, right at two weeks, right? That's right. That's right. And, uh, and- I will never forget the first, the first <laughs> preaching venue that you and I had. Uh, go ahead and, and tell us about your, your recollections yeah. of it. And, um, yeah, go take it, take it from there, brother. Okay. Yeah. And fill in any holes. I mean, um, one thing to keep in mind is, you know, Bill had gone out of his way to try to get other churches involved and, and to come, and, and people had come from all over because, you know, when, when, when foreigners come and travel uh, to Uganda, it's it's kind of like having a a celebrity show up. So there are people that came from from far and wide, and they had been at that venue for you know what, hours well, before I, we if, got there. If, if I may interrupt you just for a second while I'm thinking sure. about that, because what you just said kind of jogs something. Tell our tell our listeners what happened to Bill before we got there, um, with his arrest. Right, right. So, well, a couple things that happened to him. First of all, you know, he, he after he the American missionaries had fired him because he was confronting them on the prosperity gospel. Bill got a job. I think it paid like sixty dollars a month or something, and he had a little apartment at a Catholic school. The Catholic school is full of um, refugee children from Sudan and and from other people. That had their children there, um, uh, and Bill had uh, he had shared the gospel with his students. A guy had converted quite a few of them. They were evangelizing the school. He showed a, a gospel a DVD that we had sent him over, and uh, the, he was you know looking at losing his job there. 
they kicked him out of his apartment for having church there. They kicked him out of the yard of the school for having church there, and he ended up basically getting fired over it. In that process, there's a, a local, um, I call him a Benny Hinn-like figure in Africa, and uh, he had this thing called the, uh, the, 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 the some sort of dance festival. Like, if you came and you danced under the supposed power of the Holy Spirit enough, you would get paid cash. You know, So everybody in Africa was going there. Everybody in Kampala was going to the dance, the heaven dance, or whatever they called it, to to get paid. And Bill took some um, some gospel DVDs we had sent him there uh, to hand out to people that were going to this venue. And he was handing them out with his family there. And um, he was accosted by uh, this man's... Uh, uh, they owned the police there, so the police came and, you know, what, what is this DVD that you're watching? What, are you, what is this DVD you're handing out? You know, they, they assumed it was something bad about... This, this false prophet. And uh, so they, they, they took Bill, they, they slapped him around a little bit, took him in a back room, and uh, him, all the false teachers had to watch, they watched the entire gospel DVD to see if it had anything bad about them in it, you know, which was just providential anyways. Right. And then they took Bill out back and, and, you know, handcuffed him to a tree and, you know, slapped him around a little bit. While he was standing there handcuffed to the tree, uh, his family had to watch his, you know, their daddy get drug off. You know, and in Africa, there's no... There's no habeas corpus in Kampala. You know, when they arrest you, you, you don't know what's going to happen to you. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, they just go home without Bill. Their dad, you know, got hauled off by the cops. And uh, Bill witnesses to the police officer, and God converts the police officer, and they let, he let him go. Wow. That was the second time Bill had gotten roughed up by the police. The prior time, uh, a different long story. If you, I, I can share it here if you want. Sure. Um Okay, so what happened is Bill had very poor people. There's one guy in the church that kind of pays for everything. This guy is a carpenter. And the church had found out that this guy was living in sin. He was you know, a bigamist. And on top of some heresies that he had, but he was you know, committing adultery. He wanted his, one of his wives to abort their child. And so the church confronted him. And they confronted him over his sin with the desire for him to repent. And he refused to repent, so they excommunicated the guy out of the church. And when they excommunicated him, he, you know, he threatened to kill him. He, you know, stole the camera from Bill and all this other, you know, stuff. And then he had his police officer friends come and grab Bill, you know, drag him out of his house, take him and throw him in jail. You know, so, and Bill was there for, you know, I don't remember if it was a couple of days or not. But, yeah. um, you know, and I thought, when I, I remember when, I, when he told me about that, and this, of course this was years ago, you know, there's so many pastors that wouldn't confront somebody in the church over sin. Right. Because they're afraid that they'll look bad, or they're afraid to get mad at them. This, Bill knew this guy was connected. He knew this guy was a former police officer. He knew this guy was the only one in this church that was paying money to the church on a regular basis, and substantial money for African standards. He had everything to risk, and um, he did it. He confronted him, and Bill suffered, you know, physical... Uh, beating. <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking, you know, a lot of pastors over here in America, they wouldn't suffer the, the minor inconvenience of right. having somebody complain about them. Yeah. You know, exactly. even over adultery. <laughs> exactly. What church that Gary and I were going to, there was, I think half the Sunday school class was committing adultery. Hmm. You know, half wow. the Sunday school class, that was a sign. Yeah. And the largest ministry in that church was divorce care. And then the pastors would not confront these people over their sin. There was no church discipline. Yeah. No church discipline at all. And, um, you know, here's here's Bill confronting this man, pleading with him to repent, and uh, you know, getting falsely arrested and beat up and you know, chained down in some pit in the ground. 
uh, over it. And I thought, you know, that took a lot of courage on this part because in Africa, you don't know. It's, you don't know if you're ever going to leave. You get arrested. Exactly. You don't know if they're just going to put a bullet in your head and leave you for dead. Right. Um, That's right. It, it, it reinforced to me the difference between, you know, uh, something that happened in our uh, modern American church and what real Christianity looks like. There, there's sacrifice. Yeah. There, it, there's, there's, yeah, I mean. Right. It, it, you know. You know, it, it's easy to to claim to be a Christian in the in the Bible Belt in the United States when you know half of the half of the people in in the in the in the in the South or roughly half are are Baptist, uh, and, and most people go to a church of some sort. You know, and uh, but I, I'm I'm struck by how 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 very very few there 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 are a few, but there, how very very few churches. Uh, even in the Bible Belt, or anywhere in the United States, but but especially in the Bible Belt, do church discipline, and yet it's yeah. the first command that Jesus gave to His church, and pastors don't do it because it's not like they don't know Matthew eighteen is there. I mean, it's right there between Matthew seventeen yeah. and Matthew nineteen. It's kind of hard to miss. And, and, yeah, absolutely. And you know, and that last church that we had gone to before we planted, um, you know, they it by not confronting. Folks that had the heresies, and they we're talking about some major heresies. We're not talking about you know what kind of juice to drink in the Lord's Supper type of issues. We're talking about open theism issues, right? You know, semi-Pelagianism issues. We're talking about some major theological problems uh, on top of some other practical issues. They would not confront them over it at all because they were afraid of making them mad, and it didn't help them. It destroyed that church. Right. It destroyed it from within. I mean, it totally undermined everything that God was doing there. Uh, as far as you could tell, I mean, it destroyed their evangelism. It, uh, the people that had dedicated themselves to teaching the children, you know, doctrine at home, just totally bailed on it. I mean, it, it, it you could looking back, uh, it devastated them to not confront those folks that were that were walking in sin, and it didn't help the people that were walking in sin because right. they're still walking in sin. They're, so it, it does nothing good. You're not placating the evil. You're not going to convince a heretic. You know, to to repent by telling them the heresy is okay, and it's not that big of a deal. That's right. You know, it, you know, it, it's our culture tells us it's not loving, but God tells us it's loving. What are we going to listen to? Our culture? We can listen to God's word. Exactly. And in this case here, it's it, it really saved a lot of Bill's church that this guy left, but he still had issues in his church, and and we saw that that first day there. Yeah. There was a woman teacher who wanted to be co-pastor there, who was basing her doctrine on uh, extra biblical divine revelation you know right. she would you know she bill related to me that she would stand up and say the holy spirit's telling me to tell everyone to lay down on the floor now and you know in the middle of a service he's trying to preach and this woman will get up and do some nonsense like that and she was um you know destroying god's people in that church and that, that lady was my translator if you remember yeah i do <laughs> i sure do <laughs> so, so we, we showed up at the the first festival and bill had invited a lot of folks there and Pentecostalism was very heavy there, and uh, a lot of the mystical, um, the mysticism of that group was there. There was tongue speaking, there was, you know, whirling dervish type um, <laughs> chanting and, and yelling and singing and, and all kinds of ecstatic utterance going yeah. on there. And Tongues. I, I, yeah. I was, I knew from what Bill had told me that there was, that there were some issues, that it was bad. I had no idea. I mean, I wept. Yeah. I, I remember I was I was. You know, um, these, these people 
a lot of these folks were they were going along with this because it didn't nobody ever told them it was wrong nobody ever told them that this was necessary they 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 in the african churches and bill explained this to me later a person's whether a person's called to preach is based upon whether or not they have a a personal anointing you know whether they can emotion emotively get people whooped up to do something right and if you remember on sunday morning that whole town sounded like a, just a cataphonic roar i mean every church trying to outdo each other by who could be the loudest yeah i mean it was you first you'd have the muslim call to prayer you know at like right. six in the morning and then right. two hours later the christians would start yelling yeah you know it's like yeah and, and i kept the, the verse kept coming back to mind you know let everything be done decently and in order you know i'm thinking where's yeah. where's the quietness and the gentleness of saints coming together right. and singing uh there, uh, was, and, there and, was no order there that's for sure no, it was a cataphonic shock to the system. I remember. And, um, I remember. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you first. Oh, I was just. I remember that first that first engagement that you you and I both preached there uh, two nights, and uh, walked into this this big tent, you know, the big white tent that they had set up, and I can remember walking in that, looking at that that absolute chaos, and this was um, this was right before. For the Strange Fire Conference, you and I went in April of 2013. Strange Fire was in October, and um, I knew I was going to be speaking at that. And uh, and I walked in, and as we walked in, I, I I was thinking, this is Strange Fire. We we just walked into Strange Fire, and I'm thinking, what in the world do they have any idea what we're about to teach? And I'm I'm just I mean, I, I was just stunned and and had no idea what was about to happen. But the the guy in the front was the um, the ringleader of all this, who we later come to find out, and we know his name is Fred, and he was he was our translator. And uh, <laughs> as you and I preached, Mike, I don't remember who went first, you or me, but uh, but we both preached. But basically, f- by Fred Fred being our translator, he was preaching against himself through us he was preaching against the very things what, what he was just doing as we walked into the <laughs> so <laughs> oh, only god could set that up i mean how else would two baptist preachers end up in a hyper pentecostal church um and poor fred fred is a man bill had done for a long time and fred god really did some amazing things with fred during that trip right you know and i've, I've kept some contact with him and he's a genuine um, you know, at this point, I mean, he's, he, he's as genuine as you could get. And, and he'd, he'd fallen, he'd fallen into the deception that a lot of people had fallen into that, that the, the tongue speaking and, and, and getting up and, and whooping it up, that that was power. That, that was the Holy Spirit's power. Right. Uh, and it's not the Holy Spirit's power. I mean, you could do that at a rock concert. Right. I mean, that's not the Holy Spirit's power. And they, and they, the biggest issue there, which is the biggest issue, I think, across the world, including in the United States, is the, the idea that uh, Scripture is not sufficient enough to do God's work. Yeah. That we've got to take and add some cultural trappings to it to make it meaningful. And so in America, it becomes 80s week at the church, where everyone dresses up in 80s clothes, and an African <laughs> ends up being, I'm not kidding, it ends up being, you know, whatever, a big 16-hour-long uh, screaming competition, competition where everybody's yelling at the top of their lungs, and then you've got. And in India, it's you know the guy has to have an amp for, for a concrete room that's twenty feet wide. You know, amplification. Uh, I, I wanted to break his equipment 
when we were sitting there in India because it was so loud. It was hurting my ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. It's the flesh. Right. Trying to do God's work in the energy of the flesh. Right. And it's it's endemic with our with our nature. And But what we saw that was profound for me in this trip, the most profound thing was that just the simple and clear explanation from Scripture on a few, just a few of the, of the practices, the tongue speaking that first time, that, in that first tent meeting or whatever, uh, was profound. Um, you could see God's, just from God's Word, that moving people. Right. That changing, changing their, their, their understanding of what they were doing and why they should do it. And even with Bill, it gave Bill the courage to stand up against some of the folks in his church who were, you know, Satan was using to destroy, uh, destroy it. Yeah. Um, this woman, witchcraft lady or whatever that was, um, did everything in her power to try to undermine the preaching of, of from God's word. Yeah. And she wanted to supplant the preaching of God's word with her own notions about what people ought to do. And um, when she she came to Bill after we left, and she basically called him to an ultimatum, saying, "Either you repudiate everything that Mike and Justin said." about speaking in tongues and the prosperity gospel and about the gospel itself or whatever, or we're leaving. And Bill's like, how can I, how can I possibly repudiate what they said when we went through the verses and, and you know, can't? Yeah. And so, of course, of course they left. Now, was that the same? And, that wasn't your translator that day, was it? Or is that the same? Well, there was, that was, yeah, it was. Okay. It was a translator lady, and, and there was a, a cohort of hers Another, that we okay. didn't know as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was also involved, and it was sort of a, you know, yeah. a, a, a couple ladies there and, and right. some of their cohorts that were behind this um, right. you know, demonic influence is the way I'd describe yeah. it. Um, yeah. It had a profound influ- influence, uh, just the preaching from God's Word. It, it almost seemed like uh, some of these folks had never had somebody show them in the Scriptures. They, they had never had someone tell them to be Bereans. Right. Um, in regards to these things, and and it had a profound influence on them. Not that everybody repented by any stretch of the imagination, no. but you know, when the truth is proclaimed like that, um, you know, God's going to do something with it. I mean, those that are walking in those um, disorderly doctrines and practices, they're going to they're going to get upset about it, and they did. Right. Although they were too polite to show that to us much. Yeah. But you know that that's what you expect from sheep. I mean, sheep can be in error, but when they see the truth in black and white from their Bibles, they see it and it's explained to them, it's taught to them. A sheep will repent. A sheep yeah. will bend the knee to the truth. Goats don't, and and that's we right. we saw both there, and uh, uh, it, as evidenced by what you just said, and and um, my it. You know, you and I didn't go there. We didn't tell any funny stories. We didn't. We didn't entertain anybody. We didn't, other than our just our our <laughs> the way we looked to them because they they would you and I would uh, we would be driving around and and people would look over in the car and see these two white guys and they'd point, especially the little kids. You know, they point, Mazungu, Mazungu. Yeah, Mazungu. <laughs> well, it's funny, like Laurel and Hardy. You know, I was the only. We were both the only white people there, pretty much, for like one English lady, and right. I was the only fat guy in the entire country, I think, but one other person. You're probably the only person with crutches, so I mean, it was, yeah, yeah, know, like uh, it was like a Sasquatch drove by in a car, right? And people just uh, their jaws would drop and they'd just stare at the uh, 
the big Mazungu was driving by. Yeah. But, yeah, was, but you know, we didn't we didn't entertain anybody. We just got up and we preached from God's word and that's it. And and everywhere we went, Mike, I don't remember how many different venues you and I preached at, but it was a number of them. I mean, we were in a different yeah. place almost every day. And yeah. uh uh everywhere we went, we saw the same thing. We saw people humbled, we saw people broken, we saw people repentant. Um, once they saw the truth and, and they bent the knee to it. And of course, you know, we saw some of the other, we saw some people get angry and, you know, take their toys and go home. And, um, but, uh, but it was just the, the power of God's word. I, um, I don't know if you remember that. I'm sure you do, but, um, one of the, one of the most common comments that, what, what was it? Kabuku village that it was primarily pastor. Yeah. Uh, Kabuku Village. There was a. It was one of the larger venues that we had, and pastors were coming up to Bill afterwards, and they they said, uh, "Where did you find these Mazungus? We can't believe these are Americans." They were shocked, Mike. They they were stunned that yeah. you and I were Americans because all they've ever seen from American preachers are what they see on Christian television. That's right. And, yeah. and what's tragic is even on the television, they had like five channels, if you remember. And on those yeah. five channels, I think two of them were prosperity preachers from America. That's right. And even that one seminary in the entire country was founded by one of those individuals. That's all they knew about Americans. As a matter of fact, some of the opposition they had there from the, the more biblical people was like, no, don't bring a bunch of Americans here preaching you know, their, their stuff, because we've heard it before. And it was obviously a totally different than what they expected. And yet they said that, but they were still doing those things. Uh, but what you mentioned about Bill, I also found it extremely profound in that, you know, and even in my own experience as, as, a, as a baby Christian, when I was confronted with, with doctrinal issues, you know, the Holy Spirit brings yeah. conviction and brings repentance on those issues when they're brought up. So we, we shouldn't hesitate uh, to bring those issues up. I mean, obviously do it in a loving way, right? you know, do it with a, with a sound mind, um, but to bring them up, you got somebody who's got a heresy, a besetting issue with them. Talk to them about it. You know, maybe right. they'll get mad at you. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll repent. Right. You know, I mean, if if I had taken the the the, or if we taken the attitude that well, you know, Bill says he's a Pentecostal, so forget it. We're not going to go there and preach. Um, how would it have ever happened? And yeah. I remember at the end, if, at the end of that two weeks, Bill finally was sitting down with him. He's like, I don't know what I am anymore. Yeah. He goes, I was calling myself Pentecostal, and I'm like, what am I? We <laughs> <laughs> you're just a Christian. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> drop, right. The, drop, the, drop the label. Yeah. Um, he had, uh, he, go ahead. Yeah, but the, you know, the, that, that was a, you know, there, there's a, that barrier there, but what wasn't the barrier is that even though Bill had been calling himself Pentecostal, we still had... Uh, before we got over there, Bill and I still had a, a close connection because he was he was a believer. Right. He just those areas of his theology had to be refined, like there were areas of my theology that had to be refined, and that the refining process doesn't happen overnight. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, um, if I remember correctly, uh, when when we got when we got there, Bill was, I mean, clearly a brother, clear, no doubt about that, yeah. and and very much against the word faith movement but um after our time there and, and in the years since uh bill has become much more reformed in his uh yeah. soteriology and his doctrine of salvation he's embraced the doctrines of grace correct that is correct 
and uh, he's he's not Pentecostal anymore, is he? No, no, he's not. Yeah, he's a he's no. a cessationist. Yeah, absolutely. And and <laughs> what's interesting is people that that know him now, they'll ask him like, "Well, how did you ever extract yourself from Pentecostal?" He goes, and he he doesn't take any credit for it. Because it wasn't him that extracted himself from Pentecostalism any more than it was me that extracted myself from agnosticism. You know, it's God working through his means, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through his means, right. uh, bringing about truth. And um, in Bill's case, part of that means was that conference there. Part of it was God's Word. Part of it was other Christians that we introduced Bill to, people like Conrad and, and, and um some of the other heart cry individuals or hey, other folks from Massachusetts. Hey, Mike, Seminary. I hate to do this again, yeah. man. We're up against a hard break. Uh, uh, but, um, okay. Mike, if you'll join me for, for a, another program. Uh, dear friends, thank you very much for joining me. I'm sure this is encouraging you. It's encouraging and edifying me just hearing it all over again, even though I was the one that was there. So, uh, uh, Mike, thank you for joining us. And, uh, dear ones, thank you for listening. And uh, join us next program. Until then, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.